everyone and welcome to the service. We're glad that you've chosen to join us for another Sunday online. We're excited to dive into God's Word together again today. Before we move any further, I'm going to hand over to Mark Wood. He just has a quick update to bring us on what's happening in the life of our small groups during lockdown. Good morning, church. I have an important announcement for our small group ministries. Starting this week, Wednesday, we are meeting in small groups at church. We have been trial running this concept with our young adult ministry over the last two weeks and it has worked so well. It has been awesome to worship together and fellowship together. We know that during this pandemic, physical safety is of the utmost importance, but we can't underestimate the importance of spiritual well-being. God made us for community. He made us to fellowship with one another. And for these reasons, we feel that it's crucial to make every effort to uh, fellowship, continue fellowshipping together so that we can maintain our spiritual health. Um, please don't just rock up on the night. Uh, this will be by personal invite to small group leaders and they will in turn uh, invite their small groups. If you want to invite someone who hasn't been coming to your small group, a friend or a family member, you are welcome to do so. Please just RSVP the numbers uh, to your small group leaders so that we can make sure we stay under the limits of 50. If you are not connected to a small group in any way, but you would love to come on Wednesday night as well, uh, we want to make that open to you, but please contact me before time so that I can check that there's space and we have not exceeded the numbers of 50. On the night, there's going to be live worship, it's going to be coffee, fellowship, and face-to-face uh, -face time with social distancing uh, in our small groups. It is going to be a wonderful opportunity to really strengthen each other and encourage one another. And I want to encourage you, if you are able to, and it isn't for everyone, but if you are able to come, make every effort to be there. We can't wait to see you soon. Thanks so much for that, Mark. Now I want to introduce to you two guests. Their names are Dan and Marsha, and they're going to be bringing us an update from what's happening in their church in Thailand. Now, Dan and Marsha are fellow Advance church leaders. If you didn't know, we're part of a network of churches called Advance that is committed to the strengthening and planting of churches for the advancement of the gospel. And today we have a chance to partner with them in prayer as they share with us some of the needs that they're encountering during this COVID period. Over to Dan and Marsha. Hello, Advance family. It's Daniel and Marsha Yu in Chiang Rai, Thailand. You know, this whole COVID-19 thing has been a global pandemic, but it's impacted Thailand a little bit differently than in some of the other places that we've heard about. Um, the virus itself hasn't been that big of a problem. We've only had around 3,000 cases and less than 60 deaths. Um, but I think the economic impact on Thailand, uh, the long-term impact is gonna be much greater than the virus itself. Um, for us here in the north, actually, there, ha there have been hardly any cases of COVID. Uh, and so we've been able to operate for the most part like normal. Uh, we didn't have to skip gathering um, as a church on Sundays. Um, and as you can see here, we're actually in a rural village uh, in Chiang Rai called Yafu. And over the last two years, we've seen God do an amazing work of seeing a church form here. And over the course of the past five months, we've actually helped uh, this church build a new church building and a place where the people can gather. And we are currently at the opening ceremony. Um, so a lot of things to celebrate in the middle of these uh, difficult times. So the way that COVID has impacted us um, in a more direct way is, um, firstly, we, we lost one of our key leadership couples. Um, they were with us when we planted four years ago and they took a quick 
what was supposed to be a quick trip to the U.S. Um, and because the Thailand's borders have been closed since March, they they will not be returning, which is really hard relationally and ministry-wise. So that's been difficult. And we also have some families who have been separated because of the closed borders. So for people in our community um, who aren't with you know their father, I think that's been a really big deal too. And economically, it's had a huge impact on a lot of our church members, just because jobs have been lost. People can't um, return to the country to to work for the jobs that they did have. And uh, you know, we just have the three prayer requests that we would ask you guys to to pray for. The first thing is that uh, despite the difficult circumstances, actually there are ample opportunities in terms of kingdom advancement and the gospel. And so we would ask that you would uh, pray for just greater boldness and uh, more zeal for for mission uh, amongst our community. Um, and then also that God would send more workers into the harvest. It really is true that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Mm -hmm. um, so would you pray with us to the Lord of the harvest that more workers would be sent into the field? Uh, and then the third thing is just the practical things that people are struggling with in terms of finances, businesses, um, having a hard time, uh, and then also the travel restrictions that have been impacting us, that God would um, have his will be accomplished and that he would help us in those areas as well. Um, so thank you. Um, and uh, we miss you guys. Hope to see you soon, someday, face to face. Um, God bless. Bye. And so we really would encourage you, church, to take some time in the week ahead to pray for Dan and Marsha and their church. And um, if God does lay anything on your heart that you would like to encourage them with, perhaps a scripture or a picture, you can mail that through to us at the office and we will forward it on to them. And I'm sure that would be a great blessing to them in this season. Now I'm going to hand over to Matt and Marina to introduce our guest preacher to us, who's going to strengthen us with God's word this morning. And when that sermon ends, I invite you to stay on. We're going to spend some time worshiping the Lord through song. You're also invited to worship the Lord through giving by EFT, or you can worship through the um, sharing of scripture or of a testimony or a picture that God may have given you. You're welcome to pop that in the comment section. We'd love to hear what God is saying to you. And we know that it would be an encouragement to those that read it. Morning, Morning SBC. SBC. I hope you guys are all well. As you've already heard, today is an advanced Sunday, and so we get to enjoy again being a part of this global movement of churches that are planting churches and strengthening local churches. And today we're going to be hearing uh, a speaker who looks a lot different from Mark, Joe, and myself, but who loves Jesus, is a gifted preacher and author. He's written a book called Small Town Jesus, and he's also joined the ranks of church planters across the globe. And uh, he's planted a church on the east coast of America called One Harbor Church, and his name is Donnie Griggs. And so he's going to be sharing from Proverbs chapter 16 today and uh, giving us some wisdom in these tumultuous times we find ourselves in. But before we hand over to Donnie, Marina has a scripture that she wants to read to you on her heart this morning. I'm reading this morning from Matthew 6 verses 25 to 33. And it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor sin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. For seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you that we are in your faithful hands. And Lord, as your children, we are your precious possessions. And God, that we get to rest in the goodness of your faithfulness towards us and your faithfulness towards completing the work that you've started in us and in this world, and you're going to bring it to completion. And so today, as Donnie is about to share about the wisdom of trusting God with our plans, I pray today that the scripture that Marina's read would fuel our hearts with fresh faith and peace and confidence in the God that you are towards us as a church. And Lord, that we'd look to the future and see you in it and know that you're going to be faithful to your word. So bless this time, Lord. Open our hearts wide to what the Spirit wants to say. And might it be fruitful for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Over to Donnie. What's up, advanced churches all over the world? Donnie here from One Harbor Church in Moorhead City, North Carolina. Miss you guys tons. I know this year has been crazy. Love you. So thankful to be in partnership with you. And I really hope this message blesses you. All right. So um, we have been dealing with a bunch of crazy curveballs um, here in 2020. That's all of us, no matter where you are watching this. Um, and I feel like uh, in, in, this, in this moment, the internet is not letting us down and we're getting to really you know, see 2020 captured through some memes. We'll just kind of look at a couple of those. Uh, so here you have um, my plans 2020. To all of you guys who were meant to have these awesome public graduations, this is what this year's felt like. Then there's Kevin here from the office, my plans hard work on all that chili, and then there he is wallowing on the ground. And then finally, probably the one that sums up 2020 the best, my plans, and then there's the iceberg that took down the Titanic. Um, everyone on social media is asking questions like, you know, does 2020 come with a warranty? Um, other people speculating what's going to be next. Is it going to be aliens? Is it going to be, you know, murder hornets? You know, thanks 2020. Like, I mean, how, how crazy... Uh, how crazy can this year get, right? Um, we as a church here at One Harbor, we haven't met in person in, in our building since, since Sunday, March the 8th. And um, a lot of us have spent weeks or months isolated in our homes, um, so many businesses struggling, um, so many people who've lost their jobs, other business that just, uh, businesses that just weren't able to, to sustain the losses and have had to shut down. Um, for me, I, I felt, you know, trying to lead a church, trying to be a pastor um, in, in this tumultuous season has meant constantly having to make decisions that I know I will think back on for the rest of my life. And added to that is that these decisions are, are ones I, I never imagined making. They're ones I, I, I don't really feel adequately, adequately prepared to make. And, and they're decisions that I, I don't feel like I have a whole lot of time to process, but they're such big decisions. Um, I can't imagine what all of you are going through and the different, you know, lives that you're living, wherever you're at. I, it's just been a crazy year. And so in light of all that, what I want us to do is, is look at the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs is really, it's timeless wisdom from God. It, it's, 
It's relevant no matter who you are, where you are, when you're living. It's this incredible book. And um, I want us to dive in. I want us to look at how the book of Proverbs, God's wisdom for us, applies to this crazy year we're having in 2020. A couple of verses just to start us off. In Proverbs 16, verse 9, it says, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. In Proverbs 16, 33, says the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. So 2020 has been nuts. I mean, like totally insane, right? But Proverbs would disagree with these memes. Um, it, it, would, it would acknowledge that 2020 has been sad and it's been crazy and it's been hard. And all of us have felt, you know, in a lot of ways, totally out of control. You know, people asking me questions like, when's this gonna happen? And when's this gonna happen? I don't know. Nobody knows, right? Um, but Proverbs would, would jump into that conversation and it would say, hey, look, tomorrow's not some random, who knows, you know, kind of, kind of thing. Actually, it's in the hands of a sovereign God. Uh, Proverbs starts off by telling us that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It's to humbly acknowledge and surrender to the, the reality that God is in control, that he's made everything and that he knows what's happening and he has a plan. So when it comes to our planning, Everything is really in his hands. And so I think the first thing we can learn from the book of Proverbs in applying to this year that we're living in is, man, we make plans, but they're all subject to God's will. Now, this is a humbling thing um, to admit, but it's a necessary thing to admit that we are not in control. But admitting that we're not in control is not then saying like 2020 is in control. You know, like 2020 is, is some like deranged train conductor and who knows where this thing's going, you know, only 2020. No, um, we have a good God in heaven and he is at the helm. He knows and he's in control, right? So it's good for us to make plans, but, but we can't hold those things too tightly because at the end of the day, the wisdom of God from Proverbs would say, man, all of our plans are subject to the Lord. And this is something that us Christians really need to hear. Um, we're not good at accepting that God's will trumps our will. Instead, um, we're better at thinking that like, God should just get behind whatever we're doing. Like we should make plans and God should just bless them, right? But, but that, that makes us more like God than God, right? If, if all he's doing is sitting around hoping we'll make a plan so he can back it, well, who's really in charge here? This is a hard one for us, right? Actually, um, it's, God has a plan and, and we should be trying to get behind that. Uh, this happens in lots of ways, um, you know, silly ways. You know, we'll, we'll often kind of like, uh, we'll plan who we're gonna marry. Haven't even gone on a date with him yet, but man, that's, God, that's the one I want right there. That, that's a silly way and we can easily all kind of like, you know, look down on that. But, but then there's other things, you know, and I, I think about things like this year for us as a church, uh, things like we had these building projects we've been working towards, we've been praying for, we've been fundraising and, and doing all this work. And then 2020 comes and, man, the scenario lays out where we, we have to walk away from some of these things. That's, that was hard. And we prayed hard and we worked hard and we planned hard and then it just changed. We, even this weekend, we were trying to do our first outdoor service. Big rain, lightning storm, canceled. Thanks, 2020, right? It just, it just feels like you can't really make any kind of plan, right? Um, and so instead of kind of doing that thanks 2020 thing, the wisdom of God from Proverbs would call us to step back and go, no, God, you have a plan and it is just bigger and better than my plan. 
And that's the other thing. God's plan isn't just different. It's exceptionally bigger and better. His, his, his character makes it better. His vantage point makes it better, right? Uh, God says it like this in Isaiah 55, verse nine. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Like, I don't know how you feel when you read that. I always feel kind of like, ouch. Like, man, God, why don't you consider my feelings next time, you know? That's, that's kind of a harsh way to put that. Like, you know, like, you know, intergalactically better than my plans. I mean, are we really that different? Yeah, we really are. God, um, God has plans that are infinitely bigger and infinitely better than ours. And so we can make plans, but we should hold them loosely because actually God's in control. Now, maybe um, this makes you think, well, then what's the point of even making plans? I mean, you know, what if we just kind of do this case sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be, let's just wing it kind of approach to life. And, and, and the wisdom of God in Proverbs will jump in and say, no, 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 it's still wisdom to, to plan and to prepare. I mean, it's very easy for us as human beings to kind of, we, we want it one way or another. We want, we want to know, okay, is it God's sovereignty, like God's in control, or is it my plans, like I'm in control? And, and the Bible would answer that question, yes. Yes to both. Yes, your plans matter, and yes, God's in control. I love how Proverbs 21, verse 31 says it. The horse is made ready for the day of battle. It's made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. That horse is made ready for the day of battle. It speaks of planning. It speaks of a lot of hard work and a lot of planning. There's a a long time that goes into a horse being made ready for battle. Years and years and years goes into that, right? Tons of expertise and all kinds of hard work and intentionality, diet and everything goes into a horse being made ready for battle. That's, that speaks to the importance of our plans. It's good to do that. Proverbs 16, um, verse one and verse nine says it like this. The plans of the Lord, uh, sorry, so the plans of the heart belong to a man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So all this is saying, hey, look, our plans matter and we should plan well, but at the end of the day, the Lord is gonna establish it. He's gonna do what he wants. So we have, we have this free will, this, this responsibility to plan well, to prepare well, but at the end of the day, the Lord is in control. That's, it's, at the end of the day, it's up to his sovereignty to do what's right. And we don't like that very much as human beings. I mean, I, I'll admit, I don't like that very much. I wish it was one way or another. And, and, and sometimes maybe in your most vulnerable moments, you might even think like, you know, God, how would you like it? You know, if we just, you know, if someone just made plans for you, I mean, maybe you've ever felt like that. And, you know, I would say, well, actually, God knows what it feels like. In a way, God knows what it feels like to have plans made for him, plans that don't seem on the surface, you know, instantly good and beneficial. And the best example, the ultimate example is in Acts 2, 23, where it says this, uh, Paul describing the, the death of Jesus. He says, this Jesus Sorry, Peter uh, says, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan. Jesus delivered up. Why? According to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. And then he adds this, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Now, 2020 has been brutal, to be sure. But according to this passage, the worst, most unjust thing that ever happened didn't happen in 2020. 
It happened to Jesus. It was the crucifixion of Jesus. And it was according to the definite plan that the foreknowledge of God. That's how big and encompassing God's sovereignty is, right? But at the same time, Peter says, you crucified him. So yeah, God had this plan and it's his sovereignty, but you did this and so you're responsible, right? Now I know it feels like a contradiction, but, but, but scripture paints it like a mystery and, and calls us to embrace this mystery with humility knowing that, that, that our plans matter, our decisions matter, but that ultimately God has a plan and, and it's better than ours and, and it, it will happen. So again, we should be diligent. We should plan, um, like getting that war horse ready. You know, for us, getting these building projects ready was, I mean, tons of work. For so many of you, man, you, you put in tons and tons of work into things that just changed overnight. The answer is not to not plan and not prepare. We should do all those things, but we should acknowledge that God is in control, that, that he establishes, he does what, what, what he sees as best. God's in control, but he wants us to plan well. And, and, and I think this gets to you know, the next thing, which is that the problem isn't really with our planning. I'll, I'll read you Proverbs 27, verse one. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what, the day may, what a day may bring. What's this getting at? The problem isn't with our planning as much as it's with our boasting. God alone has the whole picture. He alone knows what will happen. But when we boast about our plans, what we, what we seem to believe or indicate that we believe is that we know what God knows right? We're so sure about what's going to happen. Uh, listen to how James um, sp- speaks of this in, in chapter four. He says, come on now, you guys who say tomorrow or sorry, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. You're so clear about this stuff, yet you do not know what tomorrow would bring. How do you know? What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. That's who you are. In light of who God is, that's who we are. We're like a mist that appears and gone. Instead, what you ought to say, I mean, I'm glad he gives us something else. He says, hey, you should say something like this, if the Lord wills. If God wills, it's, it's, it's under his sovereignty. If the Lord wills, well, then we'll, we'll live and we'll do this and we'll do that. So we're gonna make some plans, but we're gonna, say, we're gonna hold those plans like this. Well, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, we'll you know, buy this building or we'll, I'll marry this person or whatever it is, right? If the Lord wills, and he adds this little line, he says, as it is, the way you're speaking with this, come, we're gonna do this tomorrow, it's, it's for sure. He says, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. He doesn't say all such planning is evil. It's the boasting that's the problem. It's the assumption that we know, that the, the arrogance that we know, right? Um, so that the beginning of wisdom is this fear of the Lord, it's this to stepping back from the boasting and saying, okay, God, actually, you know what's best. And so that's really the, the problem with much of our planning is that, is that there's this boasting that's attached to it, this assumption that it's going to happen. And the more prayerful and invested you are into a decision, the more likely you are to, to begin to boast into it. And so just kind of know that as you, as you weigh those things out. Um, so God doesn't want us um, acting like that. And, and, and there's reasons behind it. It's not just because we're not God and we don't really know, but it's because it's the other thing that it, it breaks our hearts when things don't go like we thought they were gonna go, 
it breaks our hearts. And, and Proverbs speaks of it like this. And in chapter 13, verse 12, it says, hope deferred. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a, a desire, a, a plan that's fulfilled, it, it's a tree of life. What, what's this getting at? Well, it's getting that, that our, our hearts, um, getting our hearts set on our plans, it, it's gonna lead to disappointment. Makes the heart sick. I've always been struck by that language, that, 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 that language of despair and disappointment and disillusionment. Your heart's sick. I mean, if 2020 hasn't taught us anything by now, it's this spoiler alert, things are not gonna go as we planned, right? And when you get set on a plan, you get set on a dream and it doesn't work out, sometimes it hurts so bad. It makes your heart sick. And I'm sure that all of us watching this have had this happen to us in one way or another this year. All of us have been dealt a blow or two or, or many from, from this year. And some of us, man, we've been hit hard and our, our dreams were, were smashed and, and shattered on the ground. Overnight, a business we'd spent years, maybe decades building and preparing for was taken out. Friends of mine have lost their jobs and closed their businesses. And when these brutal things happen, it is normal and right and healthy to feel sad and to grieve them. But if the sadness goes further, if, it, if it's like, if it gets to a heart sickness, uh, a hopelessness of the heart, then, then what that reveals is that we had accidentally placed our hope on something that just could not bear the weight of it. I mean, it's right and normal to feel sad, but, but if we start to feel hopeless as a result of those things, what, what, what we're learning about ourselves in that is that somehow accidentally we put our hope on something that could never sustain it. And um, I hope by the end of this message, I, I can help you and me to make sure that we're putting our hope on, on someone who can actually handle it, right? But before we get there, let's have just a quick look at a, at these plans. I mean, if they are gonna be important and this is God's wisdom, well, let's, let's learn a few things from God's wisdom in Proverbs about how we, we make plans. Uh, one thing is um, in Proverbs 20, uh, verse 18, uh, it says, Prover uh, plans are established by counsel, by wise guidance wage war. Again, in chapter 11, verse 14, where there is no guidance, so there's none of that, a, a people fails. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. So this is just a lesson for us. Um, God helps us make wise plans through the wisdom of friends, through the wisdom of counselors, through the wisdom of others. God helps us make plans through the wisdom of others. And this is a major problem with, with how a lot of people make plans. Um, we, just, we just do whatever we want and we do it in isolation. And, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an arrogance, you know, it, the same kind of arrogance that says we don't need God. It's saying we don't even need anybody else. We don't need anything. But Proverbs calls us to recognize that we need others. We need God and we need the wisdom of God that he gives to us through other people. And the bigger the decision, by the way, that the more important this is. I mean, the, the, the example here is, is waging war. Well, yeah, if you're gonna wage war, you, you better get some counsel on that. You better, you better get some, some, some wisdom on that. You don't just 
rush in there and pull the trigger or push the button. Like you, you need to think about this. You need to ask a few other people. And so the bigger the decision in our life, the more important the wise counsel becomes. I mean, what should I eat for lunch? Well, I'm a grown man. I mean, maybe I can figure it out by now. I mean, I can ask a couple of people, I guess, but I don't necessarily need to like pull in like the, ca- the full cabinet of all, all, every, every wise counselor I know to, to figure out, you know, don't eat a bunch of fried chicken, you know, or, or whatever. I, I need to just, I can make some of those decisions, you know, on, on my own, right? But, but um, who should I marry? Or, you know, should I move over here? Or, man, my marriage is in trouble and I'm thinking about getting a divorce, well, now we're in the category of waging war type decisions. We're in these like meta, like these big decisions that, you know, what I eat for lunch is one thing. It'll affect a day or two, but these other things, man, they, they, they can affect the whole trajectory of my life in the same way that waging war does. And so we, we need to really weigh those things out. You know, the, the bigger they are, we need to, we need to get counsel. And I think sometimes we think that, that young people are just foolish and make bunches of dumb decisions and old people are really wise and, they, and I don't think that's true. In fact, um, I've seen the opposite. I just actually uh, met with a 15-year-old young lady um, and her dad and, and I was blown away. I mean, again and again and again, blown away by the wisdom in this girl. She is... She, she had so much wisdom and it was evidenced by these moments throughout her life where she has recognized her own need for counsel, her own need for, you know, for getting wisdom from other people, her, her need for advice. I, I was shocked. I, I was like, why can't more adults be like this, right? So it's not really an age thing. And sadly, too many of us, we, we don't do this. We make decisions in isolation. And that always leads to, to problems. It always leads to, to trouble. And one of the best examples in the Bible, we don't have time to look at it right now, but in 2 Samuel 11, um, we see that this guy, King David, God's man, God's king, and, and for God's nation, Israel, he's supposed to be off at war with, with, his, with the rest of the kings, with everyone else, and with all of his men, but he's not. He's at home, he's isolated, he's by himself, and he gets himself in a bad, bad place. He walks up on a roof, he starts checking out his neighbor's wife who's taking a bath. And if you know the story, man, it just, all hell breaks loose. I mean, this, the, her husband gets killed. She gets pregnant. Thousands of people die. It's this terrible thing. All because he, he isolated himself, right? When you and I isolate ourselves, we're, we're at our worst. We make bad decisions in a vacuum, right? But David was at his best. You know, uh, First Chronicles 27, it says this in, in verse 33. Um, Ahithophel was the king's counselor, Right? This wise, sage-like voice in David's, David's life. And, and Hushai, the archite, was the king's friend. D- this is David at his best. He's got wise, sage-like counselors, and he's got true friends. That, that's him at his best. He's, he's got this support, and that's us. That's me at my best, right? Me at my worst is, is me isolated, making decisions in a vacuum. Me at my best is listening to people who have godly, sage-like wisdom and listening to people who love me, who care about me, and they're just my friends, right? So, so th- this, this, is, this is super important for us if we're gonna really make decisions that, that, you know, that, that are gonna be good for our lives and good for the lives of other people around us. Um, the human nature is to, is to actually surround yourself 
with people who only agree with you and to kind of cancel out people who don't. We don't want to listen to people who might push on us a little bit. But Proverbs 27, six says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. When you know it's coming from someone who loves you, who has your best, who loves Jesus, man, there, there's something actually healing about those wounds. Like they, 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 actually, they actually cut in a way that, that leads to life, that, that makes you better. But profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You know, people say all these nice things about you, but the reality is they don't have your best interest in mind. Um, now, everybody has opinions and most people are pretty passionate about those opinions. And so what we shouldn't take away from this is that by many counselors, we need to try to make everybody in our lives happy. That's not what this is. In fact, there's, there's a framework here. There's, these are people who fear the Lord. These are people who have like God's wisdom. And so there's a selection process there where I mean, we're really looking for people who love God, love us, and, and you know, can, can help give us godly wisdom for our lives. Um, there's just uh, one more major uh, point here that Proverbs makes about, um, you know, how to know God's will for your life, how to, how to make good decisions. Um, this is in Proverbs 11, verse three. The integrity of the upright guides them. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Uh, what's the difference here between the, uh, you know, those who are destroyed and, and those who are guided through life? Well, the difference is their character. There's a crooked character and there's integrity. And so God's wisdom says, hey, character matters in all this. And I think the big lesson that we can learn is that, you know, who, who you and I are becoming on this journey of life is more important than knowing what we should do in any given moment. And we are obsessed about what we should do. What should I do? Who should I marry? Where should I go? Like we're obsessed with these decisions, but, but God's wisdom would, would, would step back from that and say, well, yeah, but who are you becoming along the way? And I think for a lot of us, when we read the Bible, you know, we, um, we kind of just want God to give us an answer. We meet with someone and we're there to look for wisdom. You know, we, wanna, we just want an answer. What should I do? Tell me, yes or no. What should I do, God? Tell me, yes or no. Just tell me what I should do already. You know, I don't have time for this. I, I wanna just know what I should do. But God cares about more than that. Um, he cares about shaping the why in our heart. He, he cares about our motives. He cares about our desires. It, it's bigger than, than what should I do? It's, it's why, would I even ask about that? And why would I want that? And it's not just, you know, I remember learning this lesson um, when I was single there was this like, who should I marry? Who should I marry? Who should I marry? And, um, you know, yeah, you just obsessed over that. And, and someone actually said to me, a friend named Brendan, he said, have you ever thought about what kind of man should you be? Like if you were to get married, like what kind of husband should you be? Have you ever thought about that and started working on that? And I was like, I don't care about that. I wanna know who should I marry? But I mean, of course that got into me and like it began to just eat at me. And I remember you know, walking around a store like a few days later and I just, I, I couldn't stop thinking about this thought like, okay, well, what kind of man? It never, it never crossed my mind. I was so obsessed with what should I do? I'd never thought about who am I becoming? And I got on that journey and decided, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step away from this who should I marry conversation. I'm gonna actually like do some business on what kind of man should I be? And then I'll just trust God to work all this all out. God is more interested in our hearts than he is in giving us quick tips 
Rather than spoon feed us answers, God wants to make us into someone who's got the character, the integrity in our heart that, that we can navigate life's decisions. Tim Keller says this, modern people want a technique for guidance, five steps to make good decisions. How many sermons does that sound like, right? But God offers wise character, hard one over for over a lifetime. The decisions that we, we are making, these little decisions we're making are actually taking us somewhere. They're actually making us into something. And God cares more about that, right? He cares about that. Uh, there's this famous poem, you know, two, verge, two roads uh, diverged in a hollow wood. And I, I, I took the one less traveled by and, and it's made all the difference. And, and God knows that. He knows that the decisions we're making are making a difference. They're, they're turning us into something. They're making us into something. They're taking us somewhere. And God can see that whole picture. And so he, he with his, his vantage point of seeing what we're becoming along the way, God knows. He, he knows what's happening. And, and he cares about that journey. He cares about our hearts and, and, and our integrity. So if we had 2020 to do all over again, I've been thinking about this you know, what would we have done differently? I mean, we planned, and pl- as a church, we planned and planned and planned and planned and planned. We had it all planned out. It was our best planned year ever, to be honest with you. We planned out all the sermon series. We planned out all the building projects. We planned out everything. We had it locked down. And then here we are. So would we have prepared and planned less? No. No, that was right to do. We were getting a war horse prepared for battle. But I tell you what, I know I would have done differently and I, I bet all of us would have done differently. Because I would have held these plans with more of an open hand and I would have put more confidence in God's will. That's what I would have done differently. My heart would have been less sick throughout this year if I had started off like that, not like that. And that's the last thing I want us to look at is this thing of where our confidence is. In Proverbs 21, verse one, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Proverbs 16, three, commit your plans, your work, commit it to the Lord and your plans will be established. The last thing I think we we see here is, man, we should plan well but we trust in the Lord to do what's best. It's great to have dreams. It's great to have plans. Don't let, don't let what 2020's done knock that out of you and me. Don't let it make us someone who becomes pessimistic about life in general and you know, kind of you know, passive about our, our, our plans or don't, don't, don't let it do that. No, still dream big and plan big and swing for the fences, all of that, but but. Whatever we, we should learn from this year, we should learn. We should not put our hope in those plans. We should not set our hope on top of our plans. Fingers crossed it's all gonna work out. That is going to lead to our hearts being sick. We should confidently trust in the Lord because he is so good. And nothing, not even 2020 can derail his plan for our life. Do you know that's true? No matter where you're at. No matter what, do you know you are living in the, in the middle of God's plan for your life? God is not up in heaven going, 2020, you ruined everything. 
I had all these great plans for all these great people and look what you did. God is in total control. 2020 is not at the helm, God is. And throughout all these, these, these things that happen, we, we need to be reminded of that. Uh, if you think about this guy named Joseph, for those of you who you know, are familiar with the Bible, um, back in Genesis, this was a good guy, had big plans and lots of talent, had it all going for him, really going places. But then the places he goes ends up being a pit, sold into slavery and then thrown in prison. Not really working out, not living his best life now, you know? Um, but through all these terrible things, we see that Joseph, he keeps trusting God. He, he keeps honoring God and, and, and God uses all of this. He turns all this around. And we get to see Joseph meet his brothers at the, um, the end of the story there in Genesis chapter 50. He, he, he has the chance now to really just take his brothers down for ruining his life and throwing them into slavery and putting them in prison, all this crazy stuff that happens. And here's what he says in verse 20. He says, as for you guys, well, you meant evil against me. Let's call a spade a spade. But God meant it for good. God was at work when you took me and threw me in that pit and left me for dead. When you sold me into slavery, when I got thrown in prison, God was at work and God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive. So even when we get hit by a 2020 year, man, God is at work. God's at work. Romans 8, 28 says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. All things. For those who are called according to his purpose, God is working behind the scenes. And God never takes a day off. The Bible says he doesn't even sleep or slumber. He, doesn't even, he never even takes a nap. He's always at work, which means that you and I get to take naps and you and I get to sleep. We get to rest because God's at work. We can rest in his work. So as you and I plan well, let's, let's hope in him. Plan well, but hope in him. If you ever feel like doubting that he's in control or that he cares or that he's involved, man, look to the cross. Look to the cross. I mean, if you remember, we, we, we saw in Acts that Peter said, God both planned the cross and then wicked men were responsible for the cross, but that's not how the story ends. And we pick up in verse 23, Acts 2, Peter carries on, yeah, but this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men, but God raised him up. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. So the plan of God wasn't just that Jesus would would be crucified. The plan of God was that Jesus would be crucified and that he would be resurrected. And what, what this is showing us is that man was at work planning, 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 planning. How do we take Jesus out? How do we crucify Jesus? Man had a plan and it was for the worst thing, but God had a plan behind the plan. While man was working out the worst thing, God was working out the best thing. God was working out the best thing. They meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God meant it for good. So if God can take the worst thing that ever happened, which wasn't 2020, by the way, it was the crucifixion of the innocent, perfect son, the, the only son, Jesus. If, if, if God could take the worst thing that ever happened, the, the darkest plan that was ever conceived, and he could turn it into the best thing that ever happened, man, what could God do with your life and my life? What could God do with this crazy year we're living in? God only knows, but God has a plan. I don't know what uh, the rest of 2020 has planned for us. 
My money's on um, aliens, maybe, I don't know. Um, but I do know that God is at work. And no matter what is coming, God has a plan behind the plan. God is in control and, and God has a plan for our good and for his glory. I would encourage you who are watching this to maybe consider taking communion now. And, and this is the reason why, not just because it's some little tradition we do. No, it, it puts our heart in, in back in the right place. It puts our mind back in the right place. This Jesus, he endured the hardest, most terrible uh, of God's plans. I mean, what he went through, that nothing you and I are ever gonna go through compares to it. And he willingly did it, by the way. It says he knew everything was gonna happen and he, 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 he was in on it. He was in on the plan. But he did it for our ultimate good. According to the definite plan of God, his body was broken. And according to the, the, the wise foreknowledge of God who, who established the earth, but before the foundations of the earth, God had, had planned that Jesus' blood would be shed. This was a hard plan, but Jesus did it. He did it for us. And so when we come together and we take communion, it's a chance to acknowledge whatever has happened to me and you does not compare to this. And he did this for us. If you happen to be watching this and you're, you're not yet a follower of Jesus, man, the biggest thing I would tell you to do is, is not to be worried about what you should do, but, but to commit yourself to him who gave himself for you. To right now in this moment, just say, God, I, I, give, I surrender myself to you. I, I, I I wanna live for you who lived and died for me and rose again. If you're already a follower of Jesus, this is a chance as we take communion to remind ourselves of how much Jesus has done for us and what a guarantee that is of his goodness. I wanna close with this last verse. In Romans 8, verse 31, what then shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? Murder hornets, no. 2020, no, whatever. Now, who can be against us if God's for us? He who did not spare his, his own son, he who didn't spare his own son, but, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? No, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, I am confident that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor, nor things present, 2020, nor things to come later in 2020, 2020, 2021, whatever, no, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's take some time. Let's honor this Jesus. Let's, let's, let's come and acknowledge, man, we've been busted up and messed up and confused and, and, and disheartened and disillusioned, but God is on the throne. God is at the helm. God has a plan and God loves us. God bless you guys.